A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. If you're lucky, you'll get a free nightstick or piece of shrapnel inside. Come on to the rock show. Come on to the people's show. Come on to the premiere show. Smackdown. It's the 22nd of June in the year of our Lord 2000. Black Legends, You See the Trouble With Me is still number one in the UK charts. A Gladiator is also still number one in the UK box office. Uh, Omicron. The Nomad Soul, that weird first game made by David Cage involving David Bowie, is the supposedly big hit this week in gaming. Was he not the bad guy from Transformers the movie? <laughs> uh, the, the one that ate planets? That's right. It was played by Orson Welles, yeah. who, when he wasn't voicing um, cartoons, was too busy eating planets. <laughs> he was a big boy. Uh, on the 23rd of June, a failure at a substation in Shepherd's Bush caused a power cut at BBC Television Centre and leads to major disruption to BBC TV and radio services and a goofy movie is released on DVD. The most unexciting introduction to any episode we've ever done. Mate, we got in there a Transformers reference, a goofy movie reference and an Orson Welles reference. We are cultured AF on this podcast. On, cultured on this week, AF. That's right. There was nothing going on right now <laughs> in this week. So hopefully, in the wonderful world of wrestling, all the way back in the year 2000, there was something happening on the eve of King of the Ring 2000. But there's only one way to find out if there was anything happening, and that's by listening to your tour guides, Mr. Mafu and Mr. Tom Campbell, of the Cultaholic Classic Smackdown Review. First of all, how the hell are you, Tom? I'm doing all right, thank you, my friend. We had quite an exciting moment during Monday Night Raw, which aired last night. This is uh, We're recording this on the day that it is going out. And I don't know whether you spotted it from watching Raw. Um, we had a little nod to the Cultaholic Classic reviews. I haven't seen Roy yet. Oh. Uh, I've been too busy waking myself up with uh, three bottles of coffee. Uh, what? What are you talking about? <laughs> Basically, at one point, Miz and John Morrison are in the ring, and Miz goes, John! John! <laughs> Which I have decided, as that happened, John Eiley suddenly sat upright in bed and instinctly opened up Photoshop. <laughs> so big oh thanks to God. Mike the Miz Mizadden, who is clearly a fan of the Cultaholic Classic Raw and Smackdown review, for giving us a nod last night. <laughs> And, and who can blame them? Exactly. Um, <laughs> that's it. If they do that next week, 
it's canon, all right? <laughs> but otherwise, all is well in the world. Thank you, my friend. I had a hot... I was saying to you before we started recording, I had a rare entire weekend off, and I think it's the future because I've been mentally in a much better state for the last two days. Mate, last two days? I'm not one to show off, but I'm not one to blow my own horn, but toot toot, right? Last two days. Like quite an army. Oh, sorry. I've <laughs> do an army. I've I've done ten thousand steps before six a.m. I know, right? I am basically a guru, but I've enjoyed going out. Like as soon as I wake up, I'll have I'll have a cup of coffee and then I'll head out and walk and I'll walk until I hit ten thousand steps and then when I get back in, that's when my day starts. And a few people have gone, why do you do that? That's mental. Um, and every time I've done it, the day has been better. So I am one to think that there is a, there's a pattern here. That if I go out and walk first thing in the morning, maybe not 10,000 every day, I know that's excessive. But if I go out and walk first thing in the morning and listen to podcasts that aren't wrestling based, listen to anything, anything other than wrestling stuff, before I sit down to do any work, oh, I feel so much better. I like that that was a lovely statement, and I couldn't be happier hearing my friends and colleagues doing well. But I like at that very last bit you said, I little... went, I'm doing well, I could hear <laughs> either you <laughs> bourbon or your stomach going, Tom, it Tom, w- I'm hungry. It was, um, I had a little thing in the back of my throat. Like, did you ever get a frog in the back of your throat? Where your throat... uh, only when I'm telling filthy lies, Tom. <laughs> mm. yeah. Your throat gurgles. I have my throat, my throat gurgles sometimes when I'm talking. I get like gurgles at the back of my throat. I'm I'm a joy to edit myself. I tell you what, Tom, <laughs> I have to edit my own audio. <laughs> Tom, I require more more walking. <laughs> Bring me more. Put more <laughs> steps in me. I owe it all to having my Fitbit back on. I owe it all to having my Fitbit back on. I swear to God, the moment I because I I left my Fitbit in a pub in Long Benton in the northeast back in oh, March. Oh, you told this story. I remember this, yes. Have I told the story on the podcast? You should tell it again to show that. <laughs> like SmackDown, we have continuity. <laughs> Basically, Gladiator is number one. Black Legend is number one. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, and, and genuinely, having my Fitbit back on has completely refocused me because, and I realised this, when I was a kid... I used to, when I used to walk, sometimes if I was walking into town with parents and stuff, I'd pretend, sounds really sad in context, I'd pretend I was in a computer game. So, like, you get points for jumping on things. <laughs> and so I think it plays into that childlike mentality because I have on my wrist, like, a scoreboard for the day <laughs> that tells me to take 250 steps every hour, that tells me to drink such amount of water a day. And I feel like I'm playing a video game all day. And that has genuinely helped me. If I didn't have this Fitbit on, and I know this is not Spawn. If I didn't have this Fitbit on, I don't think I don't think I'd be as motivated as I am. Having this on and being able to tap my wrist and go six out of 13 active hours of the day. Excellent. And then look and go 13,142 steps today. Like I feel that accomplishment. You know, <laughs> it's so sad, but that's genuinely what drives me at the moment. No, that is awesome to know. And I'm glad that because you had that issue earlier with your uh, Fitbit, 
you decided the best way to not lose your Fitbit was by eating this one, um, <laughs> which is why you're here trying to escape out of you. That's why. I, so I'm, uh, just to let people know, if you do hear any noises uh, coming from Tom that do not sound normal, it's all right. It's just his Fitbit encouraging Tom to walk to Sunderland. <laughs> it's fine. Do you know what? Do you know what? True story, mate. True story. We started recording this five minutes later than planned because I got my 250 steps in for the hour. <laughs> So I didn't get told off during the during the show. Oh wow! <laughs> That's not even a lie, right? <laughs> like I'm do- I'm good until I'm good till ten to two now. I can sit perfectly That's still. That's good. So, so John, to clarify, uh, if you hear John, <laughs> that's for you. Okay, that's for you to get your Photoshop out or to talk to Mr. Morrison. <laughs> if you hear. Tom, that's not for you. That's that's Tom's gullet telling him he's been sat down for ten minutes. Move now, get a move, bitch, get out the way. Yes, uh, rather like Jason Statham in Crank. If he doesn't get up and start jogging, he's going to explode. Now that would motivate me. How are you, Matthew Greggles? Not as motivated as yourself. Uh, I sh- you should have gone first. You did go first. I should go. It's an example of what I mean. Um, I'm all right, generally, but I'm just having a bit of an issue with my ongoing feud with sleep. So what I'm saying is I'm fine, but to deal with the issues I'm having with getting my sleep pattern unmessed up, which, again, our friend and yours, Ross, having issues last week, uh, today I have had maybe two and a half hours sleep. So... (laughs) Yikes. But it's all right, because this will reset me for tomorrow, because I will be paggered by 7pm. <laughs> uh, so if I sound a bit robotic or weird, even more so than usual, don't worry. Uh, I'm, uh, let's see, I'm going to blame Tom. <laughs> yeah, just blame me, mate. Tom, always dragging the Coleholic classic smack. Are oh, oh, we here with the complaints about him? His efficient <laughs> ways of keeping us in score, giving us PMA. And that thing he does where... Before we start talking about SmackDown, he looks at old wrestling observers from the period and lets us know what's happening for added context. Yes, Unrelated, Tom, uh, what are we doing now? Oh, we're going to look at just what you said there. As if oh, by what magic. A segue. That's what we roll into. So in a few moments' time, we'll hand over to Matthew Gregg. He will talk us through this week's episode of Friday Night SmackDown from uh, this particular year of our Lord. But before I do, just want to give you a little painting of the landscape of wrestling over the last seven days in the year of our Lord 2000. So we mentioned last week the birth of pro wrestling. Noah. Uh, That is something that continues to get rolled out. Uh, The day before this episode of SmackDown airs, the final episode of All Japan TV airs on Nippon TV. Pro Wrestling Noah will take its place effective whenever they're ready to. It's just and, and in terms of like what's going to happen with all Japan right now, there's there's Toshiari Kawada, there's Masafuchi, there's Kiyohi Wada and two members of the board and uh, Giant Baba's wife. And that's all Japan. <laughs> and I don't know what they're going to do. There is talk that New Japan may step in to, to support them in some way. At this particular point, that is a conversation that's happening. But this this feels like over in Japan, this feels like a real changing of the guard, Matthew. 
What an absolutely crazy... I'm sorry, I thought we were talk a bit more, so I had a very cheeky bit of licorice. No, you get um, on with it, mate. I mean, what a crazy... Nom, 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 nom. <laughs> yeah, what an absolutely insane story um, to have nearly the, the entire company leave. Uh, because of what... Now, we were loyal to Mr. Barber. He's dead. He's been dead for a year. We've put our time in. We don't like you. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> There's no a chance of this working. Sod off. <laughs> and again, all Japan at this time, was considered to be the... Uh, old Japan and New Japan would go back and forth, who was number one, who was number two. At this period of uh, the late 90s, early 2000s, things would go downhill for both of them from the enormous success they were having in the 90s due to a, a whole bunch of reasons that we'll go into later on. But this couldn't have come at a weirder time or a worse time for them. And if I'm right, let me have a look at the Old Japan wiki... This would mean that they would get help from someone that no one was expecting to see. And it is something you can go on YouTube to see. Uh, Tenru would come back. And it's worth going on YouTube to look for it because they're at uh, Kuroken Hall. Sorry for mispronounce that. And basically, because he had left to form SWS with that glasses company, aka the company that had Hogan and whatever come over, um, because he wasn't getting the push he wanted from Giant Barber. Giant Barber had vowed Tenru would never, ever, 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 ever appear in All Japan again. So when he returned in the year of All 2000, the, the pop is quite insane. It's that, that, that the reaction you only get from Japanese crowd when they go, Wah! you know, there's the prelude <laughs> to the pop, then the pop. That like, sounded like the Wilhelm scream then. Yeah. <laughs> Like when you're turning an engine on, and then the pop comes in because they're just you know they're rubbing their eyes, going, whoa, wait, wait, what? Tenru? Like, <laughs> Christ! Uh, but at this point, it's like, well, if Tenru said no, then it, the main event's going to be Mrs. Barba and Mrs. Barba's dog teaming up. All right. <laughs> so, very fascinating time for this period, for this uh, area of wrestling in Japan. Mm. I want to say because. Oh, everywhere else is normal, I guess, but... Yeah, yeah. But especially different here. Staying in Japan, actually, an estimated 5,000 people attended the public funeral of Jumbo Saruta on the 18th of June. Saruta passed away uh, just a few days, uh, just a month before, actually, from internal bleeding. He had kidney transplant surgery in the Philippines, and, uh, and he died as a result of that. Uh, Saruta was the first ever Triple Crown heavyweight champion. He unified the Pacific Wrestling Federation, the NWA United National, and the NWA International Heavyweight titles. Uh, he did that defeating Stan Hansen in Tokyo in 89. And then his his list of notable opponents and rivalries is a bit of a who's who of wrestling. Obviously, Stan Hansen, they had some wars with. Uh, Bruiser Brody, the aforementioned Tenru, Abdullah the Butcher, the Funks, Misawa, Harley Race, Vern Garnier, Rick Martel, Jack Briscoe, Bockwinkle, Flair. Uh, the passing of Saruta was one of the highest attended public funerals in Japan. And uh, there was a private one held just a few days around that as well. But uh, do, you, do you remember? I know you're a bit of a wrestling historian like Justin Henri uh, from the classic Raw review. Are you, uh, are you familiar with the work of Jumbo Saruta? I'm more aware of his reputation where a lot of my friends basically say that he's one of the best, if not the best wrestlers of all time. And all I know him from is the fact that he was this, you know, respected legendary career, uh, champion and all this for all Japan. And it was he who, because, going back to 1990, 
Tenru soddered off. So I'm not getting the. I want to be the ace of all Japan. I'm getting the push. Screw this. I'm going to set up my own company with blackjacks and hookers. And so as a result, they had Tiger Mask Two unmask. Say hi, I'm Misawa. Then he had the Machu Jumbo Saruta, where he won. Where that type of the type of pushes in Japan, they they work different ways most of the time. But they're usually we're going to push this dude, so he's going to lose a lot. And I get that gets behind him, and it works. Uh, Misawa pin Jumbo. And probably had that same jet engine Wah! reaction. And that's why I know it from, because everyone points at that, like Jumbo losing a Misawa. Be like, what? what? What the hell? Like, no, 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 no. Jumbo's supposed to beat him like 90 times first rate. <laughs> no, I just pinned him. <laughs> so uh, that's how I know him from. Um, the matches I've seen with him and Misawa, I enjoyed. But, it, you know, you watch it for the historical significance. So I'm sure, thanks to the things of uh, YouTube and Dailymotion, everywhere else, I can go back and watch lots of Jumbo stuff. But all I'm thinking of is right now is, God, you know, it's a good time for all Japan, isn't it? <laughs> it? Yeah, that's certainly what they were thinking for a minute, but not for long. Vince Russo has quit WCW, or has he? Uh, on the 15th of June, it was believed that the company in the company that Vince Russo has quit but will come back. So they haven't announced that he's quit properly. They've said pub they've said publicly he's taking a few days off due to a concussion, uh, but it looks like he might be away. From the Observer, Russo didn't return calls to just about anyone in the company wanting to hear his side of things, and he was scheduled for a meeting this week as press time with Brad Siegel regarding his future with WCW. He quit largely over a disagreement with management, in particular Eric Bischoff, uh, who wanted to bring Kimberly, Elizabeth and Lex Luger back to television. Russo felt all three had quit rather than go along with his script, so therefore shouldn't come back at all. Kimberly and Elizabeth uh, for a variety of reasons having to do with storyline and treatment, ultimately because they didn't want to take bumps as Russo wanted to book them as bumps doing bumps, they went no and da 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 da, da. Uh, Elizabeth, whose rumoured salary is in excess of $300,000 a year ridiculously overpaid says Dave Meltzer and living on the fact that she was a big deal in wrestling a decade ago Kimberly was gen generally not liked backstage, with people thinking she was turning into the next Sable. Meanwhile, Lex Luger has complained repeatedly about how he's being used, eventually had a blow-up with management the week before this, where he refused to do an angle, which Russo is scheduled for him. Russo's quit. He'll be back. Just you see. What a time, eh, Maff? Mate, I'd need a list of all <laughs> the times Russo quit or left or had a concussion or threw all his toys out of his pram because he couldn't do what he wanted and have, I don't know, Lex Luger give three pile drivers to Elizabeth while Kim comes off the top. Oh, no, she's on fire and she's a stunt woman <laughs> and blah, 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 blah. And all this other stupid stuff. Bro, but... here's some bro. We do that, we win the ratings. He only did two pile drivers. Well, we don't get the ratings then. It has to be three. Bro, I want Kimberly to explode. I can't do it. That was... That was an Bro, I'm from Liverpool. Geordie anyway, American accent, that was. I, I can't do that accent. Uh, but neither could Russo, so it's all right. <laughs> yeah, Russo would often leave, and I think Bischoff put it on one of the 83 weeks, said that whenever Russo was cornered with something, he would always leave. He did it in TNA, he did it in WCW. He would always have like time off or quit or have a strop and just sod off. Whenever someone... <laughs> Whenever he goes, I can't win this, I'll just leave. And then it'll last me back for a few weeks. They said it was a good strategy because obviously it worked out for him. It really did because he kept getting bloody brought back. Yeah. 
Everyone loves him. Uh, weirdly. Um, it was a, he'd come back and go, swerved you. <laughs> hey, it was a swerve, bro. Hey. MCI Worldcom have announced that as of the 15th of June, so just a couple of days before this episode of SmackDown, they are pulling all advertising off SmackDown two weeks after a presentation by the Parents Television Council. At the same time, a major sponsor of WCW programming had also pulled out for similar reasons. Had conflicting reports on who was the sponsor was. Gene Oakland's hotline report claimed it was Burger King. Some saying it's Toy Biz. One you eat, one you don't. The figure was <laughs> confirmed as being half a million dollars worth of lost <laughs> revenue as a result of this. And, and now for WWF, it sucks but they can kind of take the hit. They're doing all right. For WCW to lose half a million dollars worth of advertising revenue at a point where you are hemorrhaging money, this is a bad time. The PTC's stronghold in the wrestling scene uh, coming to light here and, and having a massive effect on the bottom line, Math. Yeah. What was the last show they did? Great American Bash 2000. Um with Vampiro setting Sting on fire and pushing him off the scaffolding and burning alive. And then there was a cage match. And then I think there was one of those big monster trucks running over somebody, Hogan bleeding. Yeah, PTC did nothing wrong. <laughs> uh, I also like the fact that Mean Gene, on top of things on his hotline, he'd get in trouble with this quite a bit where he'd say something that um, people go, are you sure about this? And he'd go, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> you paid suckers there was, there was one famous example where he said uh, one time oh ring my hotline and see who was having a retirement ceremony courtesy of WCW and it was Ricky Steamboat in 95 who wasn't employed oh, sorry we could be 95 could it I beg your pardon um, 96 then at least maybe 97 uh, yeah Ricky Steamboat's having a retirement ceremony and Ricky Steamboat went what are you talking about I'm not even, I'm not even employed by WCW when is this he went oh, whatever <laughs> Because then he said, all right, ring up my hotline to hear the apology I gave to Ricky Steamboat. Yep. <laughs> that actually happened five, year, five years before this. We did this on the on episode 99 oh, of the Cultaholic Classic Raw review, where Gene Oakland's big tease for the hotline was about the passing of a former world champion. <gasps> yes. Gene Oakland set up basically the hotline by saying, guess who's dead? Call now. And... It was somebody, and it was, and the way that it was set up was just by sheer coincidence. It sounded like it might have been Ric Flair, yes, who who had not been on television for some time, and there was already a rumor doing the rounds in North Carolina that he died. So the so people rang up thinking. Oakland's going to tell us that Flair's dead, and it wasn't. So Flair, the next, so so Gene, the next week, had to go on and do the. I'm sorry about that. My bad. <laughs> anyway, guess who's dead? Like, he doesn't learn. He doesn't learn. He doesn't care. God bless Gene Oakland. No longer with us, but didn't give us stuff. He absolutely didn't. Like, yeah, ring up my hotline and hear me apologising. To who? Well, you'll have to... <laughs> <laughs> Do you want a few notes on uh, Dark Match and Sunday Night Heat tapings for this episode of SmackDown before we start? Beforehand, I'm trying to remember who the who the guy was that passed away. It was um, it was a large dude. It fell out of my uh, head, sadly. I might actually it'll be, it'll be, in my, it'll be in my notes. What am I talking about? It'll be in my notes for raw graded. 
Let me just pull up my Google Doc, because I'm sure that's what we all use. Yeah, but or by we... like 95 or somebody, he was just like, I imagine everyone was going, who? <laughs> <laughs> uh, not raw graded, raw review. Because he, he, he appeared in the Wrestle Rock Rumble. He's the guy who does the splash to the the tiny bit of wood where Jim <laughs> Connett, upon watching it, gone, I could do that. <laughs> uh, okay, okay, I've got I've got the story here. I've got the story here. Gene Oakland's hotline tease on the 4th of February involved the death of 45-year-old former heavyweight champion wrestler. And uh, they teased that it was... It, well, it was the rumour was it was it was Ric Flair. Actually turned out to be Jerry Blackwell. That's it, Jerry Blackwell. Thank and, you. And all oh, better than that, Oakland never mentioned Jerry Blackwell's name as the <coughs> wrestler who had died until five minutes into the <laughs> several dollars a minute phone call. <laughs> what, what a, a carny bastard! Hello. <laughs> this <laughs> is mean Gene. God. If anyway. you haven't asked the bill payers' permission, naughty naughty, but Gene Oakland forgives you. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it'll be even funny. It gets really slow, and he goes, "The guy who is dead, Jerry Blackwell." If you would like to hear that again, press one. Or better yet, I think you go, and we wish our best to the dead former champion of the world. Jerry Blackwell. Someone else is dead, right? Stay there. <laughs> Just keep them on. Keep them on. Stay <laughs> tuned for more dead him, people. Who could tease him, Gene? Who could tease him? Ugh. Carney. Being Gene going, I can't. I don't know why they thought I was teasing Ric Flair. And he cuts a night to his head going, call my hotline to see who's dead <laughs> this week. Dead, 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 dead. <laughs> haven't heard from Ric Flair in some time. On an unrelated note, guess who's dead? <laughs> Call the hotline. Gene, you carny. <laughs> Don't speak ill of the dead, but Gene, you carny, and I love you. No, I mean, come on, look at it. The proofs of the pudding. So I've got some notes for the, the, the happenings before this episode of SmackDown began. Fantastic, Tom. So, on, so it was taped two days before, on the 20th of June. In Memphis, sellouts of close to 18000 $400,000 on the gates back in the day where we made money on fans at wrestling shows. Uh, in the dark matches, the Mean Street Posse beats uh, the Dupps and Joey Legend. So it gives you a little idea. The Dupps are getting a run out here. And this is quite timely. Oh, God, this... interrupt. Yeah, sure. Uh, have you seen any of the Dupps work? They're pretty ECW? bad. I remember the Power Slam magazine would go, oh, the Dubs are still doing dark matches, only doing dark matches for <laughs> WWF. I'm like, wow, the Dubs must be this underground talent, the, the new regime, you know, the Ring of Honor before Ring of Honor. I watch their stuff in ECW. I don't <laughs> even know how they got to the point of dark matches in WWF. They're, um, I would class them as B&M Bargains Dudley Boys. <laughs> We've got Dudley wow. Boys at home. <laughs> type Dudley boys so um, they're in action and this is quite timely as well uh, also the other dark match tonight was Scott Vick pinning Tracy Smothers the Smothers oh. was on this show having himself a little run out 
I mean, in Memphis, yeah. I mean, you probably got a big old, yeah, it's that guy, Pop. Yeah, I would be, I think I would imagine with Scott, if he was up against Scott Vick, who I think spent a lot of time as a heel, he would have been like the babyface there, but he still lost. Um, Scott Vick. Oh, it's uh, Sick Boy, isn't it? Yeah, Sick Boy. Uh, Katie for... Vick's brother. It's <laughs> a horrible thought. For Sunday Night Heats, we saw S.A. Rios pitting Stevie Richards. Uh, the Acolytes beat Perry Saturn and D'Lo Brown. Funny aside in this, Perry Saturn's shoulders weren't down for the pin. Uh, this was noticed by by lots of people in the ring, around the ring, and behind the scenes. So they made all four lads go back out and redo the match later on, which must just oh. feel awful. Like to go out and be told, go and do your match again. It's happening. It's, it's fairly common when you're taping stuff, but God, must make you feel tiny. Yeah, I was there at the O2 Arena in London when Kane took on CM Punk. Uh, for I think Raw, and the finish wasn't great. It was CM Punk hitting the go to sleep on Kane, and he's like, "Well, you know, it's Kane. He's a big lad." And obviously, he landed on his knees, and he, like outside CM Punk's doing like, "Oh yeah, well you think you're big," and then you see the referee go like, "Gonna ring, gonna ring, gonna ring." And he goes, "All right," and then just for no reason, CM Punk goes in and hits the go to sleep a bit better this time. And obviously, when they edit on Raw later on, because it was pre-taped a few hours, uh, wow. What a great go to sleep on Kane that looked nothing like the first one. <laughs> but in the days before that level of editing, I guess, it was like, you know what, just do the whole thing again. What, not the finish? No, no, the whole thing. <laughs> Oof. Give it another go. Give it another go. It's one of the things people want to be hopefully released in one of these network exclusives. The matches that Randy Savage and Flair had just before the time Flair was about to drop the title to Bret Hart, where I think, if I remember correctly... They did three matches in one day. It was either two or three, I forget specifically. It's been a long time. Because Vincent Mann saw them and was like, no, <laughs> no, that's not what I wanted. Do it again. Change it. And then they came back out and went, what? <laughs> so these people are like, whoa, three matches, bloody hell. <laughs> They're just getting progressively more knackered. God, I think these guys coming. really hate each other. <laughs> <laughs> they just keep wrestling one another. <laughs> Gosh, that's attention to detail. Also from Heat, uh, Bob Holly pinned Gangrel and Midian beat Mosh. So some big matches on Sunday Night Heat this week. (laughs) (laughs) Stay tuned for Matthew and Owens, Cultaholic Sunday Night Heat review. Yes, baby! Hey, on the subject of, of the extracurricular Cultaholic lads, we can confirm... If we, and if you missed this last week, we'll re-announce it. Next week, it is the King of the Ring 2000 watch-along. We've reached that point in the timeline. And we'll be joined by the man with the most moisturised head in all of Cultaholic, uh, Editor Andrew, is going to be the third man, the third wheel on the watch-along this week. I'm very excited to get Andrew on one of these bad boys. Me too. I've only met him a few times in real life and hung out with him during social events. It would be really nice to actually do something with him. He's good fun. He that is sounded, good fun. That sounded bad, didn't it? It sounded I'd a like bit to pervy, do things mate. with that lad. <laughs> sounded a little bit pervy, but hey, you can you can I take... put him in my boys' table. You could take that up with him when you see him. <laughs> Stick him in your boys' table, lad. <laughs> and hopefully I've had some sleep uh, by that point. Otherwise, it's going to be, all right, what do you think about this, Andrew? And he's like... <laughs> 
upon those glasses with the eyes drawn on. <laughs> so, right, that brings us to the end of my bit. I'm going to throw over to Matthew Gregg. He is going to talk us through this week's episode of SmackDown on UPN. That's right. We can exclusively reveal via the Mean Gene hotline. This has taken place three days from King of the Ring. We are in Memphis, Tennessee. Can I spell Tennessee without having to use a Google spell checker? No, I can't. There's some S's and E's in there. But who cares about the spelling? We're in a bloody pyramid. Uh, synonymous with Memphis, I guess. We start off with the Helmsy McMahon faction. And Triple H says... He wasn't happy with Vince's idea to put the title on the line in the main event of King of the Ring, but he'll go with it. Crowd then chants asshole because they realise that there's been no dramatic video package, so Matthew hasn't done witty wee witty woo. They also boo because they realise that Triple H brought this up last week on SmackDown, and it was his idea. So now a week later, Triple H has suddenly realised, hang on, if Rock, Undertaker or Kane pins Vince McMahon or Shane McMahon, I lose the title. It took him seven days for the Cerebral Assassin to figure that out. Anyway, uh, they talk a bit, goes on. Triple H again, he was he's just not happy with this. But hey, even if Rock was about to pin Vince, Undertaker would probably pull him off anyway. Well, isn't that nice of him? Uh, Vince McMahon gets the mic and they chant asshole and bad writing. And continuity errors at him. They're a very hostile crowd today. And Vince says, money, health and happiness aren't the best things in life. Family is. He has instilled wholesome family values on which we used to rely upon his children. And this drags on a bit with Vince admitting he can forgive his shrew-like wife because the love of his family. And because he loves his family so much, the family will wrestle tonight on the eve of King of the Ring against The Rock, Undertaker, and Kane. Uh, Shane and Triple H are so thrilled by the news, they leave as Vince McMahon yells, Hey, don't let me take them all on by myself. And then Lawler blames that meddlesome shrew, Linda. Almost put Stephanie there, it's out of instinct. I'm very sorry, Steph, you're not a meddlesome shrew. There are a bunch of other names to call you. Uh, so, Tom, it's a bit weak after last week. It's almost as if they got the order switch round and... Last week was the go-home show, and this week they've gone, oh, we've got another episode to write, haven't we? Oh, maybe Triple H is mad now. Yeah, it, yeah it's, it certainly felt like it felt very different from last week where they were very much happy families, it seemed, as um, they were getting on and laughing and joking. This week you can sense there's tension in the air. Vince McMahon has just decided to go mental and try to like run the ship and, and, and for some reason booking a six-man tag. I can't help but feel that it's going to be another setup all along, isn't it? <laughs> That's, they love a good setup all along. Tom. I know, Tom, right? Oh, ye of little faith. You think Vince McMahon, the owner of the WWF with the Cerebral Assassin and his son, don't call him Simba, don't call him Simba, Disney's lawyers run the line, uh, would, would have a, an evil plan? We're going to get the main event as it was announced. And you can update your LinkedIn or whatever it is you're doing as I'm talking. No, sorry, I was re I was replying to a, a message on Slack regarding regarding booking Andrew for next week. Oh. <laughs> Just checking he didn't have like a, a list of five the top 10 greatest wrestler forearms or something to edit. 
I said to make sure that we could have him next week. I have to book out Andrew the same way that you would book out a library book. Yeah, the car will pick you up at 9 a.m. <laughs> oh, good. But yeah, but yeah, it just if the madness of Vince McMahon here, I think obviously they plant the seed for for Sunday where it's going to be the hubris of McMahon that that hoistens them by a petard. But it was just. <laughs> It, but as far as this week goes, it just felt like a. I, feel, I still can't help but feel like it'll be a setup all along. And Tom's gullet, how do you come in? I believe Vince McMahon. You believe Vince McMahon? Yes, I believe Vince McMahon should get some more steps in. Oh, okay, great, thanks. thanks. Hmm. I, I don't think your gullet's <laughs> going to work on the show, Tom. I, I'm gonna, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll find try it later on. We'll find it. We'll find it. And if not, he can always go to All Japan Pro Wrestling. You can probably book him. Uh, anyway, never mind all the distraction. Here's Trish Stratus's tits walking backstage. And that segues into the Hardy Boys and Lita wrestling TNA and Trish Stratus in a three-person intergender tag match. Ooh. And this excuse for intergender violence is brought to you by Castrol bringing the best of WWF SummerSlam VHS. Oof, God. Bit of a Russian doll of a plug there, to be honest with you. <laughs> and a lot this going on in that bit. Yeah, there's a lot. Um, I never heard of the VHS, but given that it's endorsed by oil, I'm sure it's a must-see. Never mind that. This, believe it or not, is Trish Stratus's first wrestling match. And we get the replay from last week of Lita leg-dropping her, and she absolutely, to coin a phrase that the Raw Retro people would appreciate, mables her. Absolutely all leg-drop, all impact across her. Poor Trish had it rough early on, bless her. There's that story that Rikishi did in World of Wrestling magazine years and years and years ago where I believe Bill Apter was asking him about his dirty sweat ass, and he says, oh, I have a variety of these things. I have the clean ones and the smelly ones. And Bill Apter says, oh, anyone who's been the recipient of the smelly ones? And he goes, oh, I couldn't possibly say. But Trish Stratus is one of them. Oh. So, yeah, I mean... I, I, Hazing, I don't think she talks about it too much. I haven't... Like heard many Trish Stratus interviews, but yeah, they they weren't like, hello, Trish. Hello, fitness model who thinks she can wrestle. No, she was treated like every other bloody rookie. So uh, anyway, Lita chases Trish around the ring. So Test grabs Lita and Lita slaps Test and breaks his nose for the fourth time that week. He gets brutal revenge, though, as the Hardy Boys go for Air Sabu in the corner. Test gets his boot up and murders Jeff's poor abs. As usual, TNA dominate the cool kids with the women's tights on their arms. But Albert misses while yelling, because it's Albert, and then takes a Jeff Hardy tope con hello to take him out for a bit. Trish Stratus grabs Matt's hair to cut off a twist of fate, so Lita stops her, and the two of them land double twist of fates on their opponents, so Jeff can swant on them both for the win. What a fantastic fit. Oh, no, wait. Uh, that would have been too good, so Albert and his, quote, DDT-proof head... Break it up. Oh, so Lita lands the moonsault on Trish. Another fantastic finish. Crowd loving that. Uh, no, sorry. Uh, Albert comes in and Baldo bombs her. And while the PTC is ringing up Burger King to tell him to pull the adverts, Trish Stratus pins Lita. <laughs> so here we go. This is uh, this is <laughs> this is Lita getting the All Japan push where she loses a lot, but it's working because every week the pops for Lita Hardy Boys are continuing to increase, and. Obviously, this will carry on for years and years and years, but this is the very start of a very successful combination. What do you think, Tom? And it started in wedges. 
I mean, it's her first ever wrestling match, and she's doing it wearing wedges, which I think is impressive. I mean, she didn't do lots in here, let's point out, but... To interrupt, I'm sorry, I'm not very cool and hip. What, what a wedge. They're like heels. Oh. You know, when, you know when the heel isn't spiky, but it's flat? Oh, That's a I wedge. did not know that. I, d I don't know much about heels. Uh, <laughs> hey, only baby faces. Oh! I just it had nothing then. <laughs> <laughs> the guy I don't know nothing about heels. Tom, say something funny for the love of God. I'm drowning. We, we got out of there. We got out of there. No, but that's what I mean. Like, so she wrestled in wedges in in aforementioned heels, which is impressive. Also, um, in that match, as the match is as uh, the as TNA are making their way out, Michael Cole reveals that WWF.com is relaunching on Monday. This was the same week that superstarbillygraham.com went live and they were making a big fuss about that in the Wrestling Observer. <laughs> which, which leads me to my question for you, Matthew. <laughs> it leads me to my question for the day. Do you remember websites? <laughs> remember websites? Remember when they were a thing? You know, I would love to hear Bruce Pritchard's response to that. So according to Dave, um, superstarbillygraham.com launched... And so you relaunched your website. And just Bruce going, are you meaning to tell me because superstar Billy Graham had a <laughs> presumably geocities.com address <laughs> with two frame GIFs and please donate here, I need a new kidney, that we decided to relaunch our entire website. Is that what you're telling me? I think it's a coincidence. I don't think they're. they're I don't think they're going up against <laughs> Billy Graham's not AEW Dynamite. Like <laughs> it's just. I just the reason I mentioned it is because it was so prominently mentioned in here that WWF.com is being relaunched on Monday, and then there's a whole section in the Observer about who superstar Billy Graham's website is is hitting the the shelves. I guess. Um, and it just breaking news. It put me at a time. It put me back in that time where, like, and at the risk of you know biting off our own face, despite our cultaholic.com, like, it was a time when websites were, were was a it was a big thing. Like, I remember I remember WWF.com. You had they bought multiple URLs so that people could find it. Like, what are your memories of using WWF.com for the first time? I always thought the WWF's website was really well done. It looked cool. It looked like the WWF. That sounds weird, but, you know, some of these websites don't look like the thing that they're representing. I also remember when, yeah, every wrestler had a website. And you could see who had a website and who didn't by before Google became a huge thing. And it was Ask Jeeves. Just type in the wrestler's name and add .com at the end. And I remember finding Nova, the VCW fame's website, and he's the one who sticks out because his website was really good and had a detailed explanation for the history of the BWO. And it was via his website I found out that the reason why Takamichinogo and Funaki have blue and white in theirs is because in ECW they were honorary members of the Blue World Order and decided, you know what, we actually look good in blue and white and just stuck with them. And I'm like, wow, your crappy website told me that. Thank you. Um, but you're right now, it's like a website for a wrestler. Away, man. Um, now it's like, okay, if I have a service to plug, I will use facebook.com forward slash Nova. Uh, if I have 
bookings, I'll use cameo.com forward slash Nova. If I have a Twitter account, it'll be et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The internet has become very small. It used to be huge, but now it's small. Really it's has. Weird. It really has. I remember being now, now all it is is Facebook, Twitter, and Mean Gene Hotline. <laughs> Billy Graham's there, like, guess who isn't dead? Me! SuperstarBillyGraham.com <laughs> I'm still going. Forward slash ahead. And we can Vince. say that in 2020. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> click here to see if I still hate the WWF. <laughs> and it's just an animated GIF of Vince McMahon with the, an animated GIF of an angry face next to it. <laughs> oh, Billy. Back to you, Math. <laughs> womp womp. Anyway, Gerald Briscoe hit Hardcore Holly during a King of the Ring qualifier with his cousin Crash Holly on Raw. So Crash Holly is going to King of the Ring, but not as Hardcore's champion, as immediately Gerald Briscoe pinned him to win the Hardcore title. There was a lot happening in that bit, wasn't there? Don't worry, there's more to come. <laughs> Backstage, Pat Patterson celebrates with his best friend in the whole world, Gerald Briscoe, and pours champagne over his head, which Gerald goes, I'm being blinded! And Pat Patterson goes, oh, you're being blinded! And breaks a bottle over his head to win the Hardcore title. <laughs> and this is... <laughs> This is followed by Briscoe on this SmackDown walking backstage and trying to act tough and hard and telling referee, if you see him, tell him I'm going to scalp that no good Frenchman. (laughs) (laughs) And this is building up to their last ever match together, having first wrestled each other in 1974 for Georgia Championship Wrestling. Yeah, that's all the positives we can speak about this. More of that to come. Do you want to segue, Tom? Well, you do. Yes. Uh, oh, go on, go on. And this is going to be a hell of a segue. So, if you had something to say about that, now's the time. No, no. I'm just. I'm waiting for this to play out. <laughs> you can carry oh, on. Here mate. we go. Here we go. <laughs> Jerry Lee Lewis is at ringside. Yay! Goodness gracious! Great balls of fire. That make a wow, great name that for with a wrestling, Tom. Don't be stupid, Tom. <laughs> Who would do such a thing? It turns out Jerry Lawler is a big fan of Jerry Lee Lewis. I can't think why. It's not as if they have anything in common. Why did you... I was about to say, why did you add an extra syllable to Jerry Lee Lewis? You went Jerry Lee Lewis. We try not to laugh. Jerry Lewis. Goodness gracious. What are you suggesting, by the way? Are you suggesting that Jerry Lee Lewis and Jerry Lawler have something in common? Are you suggesting there is something that they both are connected with that people may be surprised by? Yes, Tom. I think you're right. They're both called Jerry. That's right. That's right. They're both called Jerry and they're (laughs) both from Memphis. And to keep up with the theme... Two Elvises show up, and I even typed, oh, good, it's this episode. <laughs> uh, Jerry Lewis is shown laughing at the two Elvises. Little wonder he did get famously arrested trying to get, trying to get into Elvis's house at three in the morning, drunk off his ass with a gun in his car, uh, apparently because he remembered at a bar that Elvis wanted to see him. So he thought, ah, it's only, it's only 3 a.m. <laughs> Drove his car. 
Or at least, may or may not have driven it into the gates of uh, where Elvis lived. And then his, a very Elvis's guard watched as Jerry Lee Lewis probably thought, oh, it's Jerry Lee Lewis. Jerry Lewis was like, oh, better get rid of this bottle of champagne. Tried to throw it out the window. Didn't realize that his window was, in fact, shut. So he threw this bottle, which then broke in his car <laughs> and then broke the car window. Uh, they, the guard noticed this, told Elvis. Elvis said, ring the police. Uh, they showed up. <laughs> Jerry Lee Lewis covered in champagne, a gun on his dashboard. And he's like, I'm here to see Elvis. <laughs> and Jerry Lee Lewis said he was very upset when Elvis didn't want to see him and instead let the police take him away. <laughs> so That's we cut amazing. to Jerry Lee Lewis laughing at Elvis, probably wondering, <laughs> I wish I had my gun. <laughs> I have got my gun. <laughs> let's, <laughs> let's go, everybody. Let's see a magic trick. Make two officers become one. <laughs> and this is, of course, the line which took me forever. Uh, Christian going, there are, of course, two types of Elvises. Fat Elvis and really fat Elvis. La, 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 and we la, never la, got la, to la. find out. Oh, absolutely. La, 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 la. And we never got to find out how fat Elvis could have become. Because like this town, he's dead. Crowd boos horribly, then takes photos of the five-second pose anyway. <laughs> Hi, guys. Here's your folk hero. He's dead. Who wants a picture? <laughs> Wrestling! Boo, I do. Boo, click. Boo, click. I hate you so much, I'm going to use up some roll in my camera <laughs> in order to take a picture of you. Uh, move out the way, really fat Elvis. I can't get fat Elvis in frame. <laughs> I do wonder because they'd still go to Memphis occasionally for shows to the WWE, and whenever they're there, they do have to bring up Elvis. Like, there's nothing else happening in this area. Like, the scientists of Memphis are probably going, oh, for the love of... Yes, we know. We know <laughs> Elvis was from here. Can you, know, you we think have of anywhere else that's that's particularly progressive but only has the one thing going for it? I was going to say Liverpool uh, because they, whenever they come over here, they go, that's right, the Beatles! Mm. And people are like, oh, okay, there's also smack. <laughs> there, they've got um, football. <laughs> uh, um, Owen? There's Owen, Owen, Owen Vintage, uh, uh, Vantage Owen. Um, our editor Owen uh, and the Cultaholic Heavyweight Champion lest I forget I need to use his proper title uh, Owen the Cultaholic Heavyweight Champion oh, that's right, that's right. the greatest champion to come out of Liverpool uh, is that Gibson? Don't, don't even at me Lizzie Styles. is <laughs> that Gibson as well? Hmm. yeah is that Gibson? Um, Everton Yeah, maybe they should just stick to the Beatles after all. Good point, Tom. <laughs> I like Liverpool. I've had some lovely I've had some lovely times in Liverpool. I used to work on the radio in Liverpool for a brief time for a radio station called Juice oh, FM. Right. And uh, I seem to remember I had a I'll I'll give a little Juice FM story. So I went down I was asked to do a weekend of, of radio cover because they're their Saturday morning presenter, their weekend presenter was off, so I went down to cover, <laughs> I covered, bless you, I went down to cover Saturday, okay. it was Saturday afternoon, 12 till 4, and then Sunday morning, 8 till 12. So I thought, oh, bro, I've got some friends in Liverpool, so I'll go and meet up with them on the Friday evening, have a lovely time, and then I'll do some radio. And me and my friends, we got hammered. 
on Friday night. <laughs> I I I know I got bad drunk because I did I did my trick. I did my, my pub trick, which so far, touch wood, has never got me beaten up. Whereby you ask somebody either who you're with or if you're feeling particularly deadly, a stranger, you go, What are you drinking? And they go, oh, I'm having this particular drink. I go, oh, I've never tried that before. Is it, any, is it nice? Normally they will go, they may go, obviously post-COVID this probably won't happen. But they would go, oh, you can try a bit if you want. And then you down it and go, no, I don't like it. <laughs> wow, Tom. I did this apparently in Liverpool to a complete stranger. <laughs> Jesus. And apparently, and I said to my mate who I was staying with, I, she said, oh, you did this. You, um, you you did your trick to a stranger. I was like, oh, my God, what happened? She went, they thought it was hilarious. And they came and sat with us for an hour. And I was like, oh, brilliant. So it worked out well. So anyway, the point being that I got really, I, we, we got in a bad way. And then I remember Saturday morning, 9 a.m., sitting in a McDonald's in the middle of Liverpool City Centre wanting to die, giving genuine consideration to phoning the radio boss and saying, I can't come in. But then remembering, oh no, I've been hired to cover this weekend. <laughs> I can't bail <laughs> out of the shifts. So I'll just do what any self-respecting radio presenter does when uh, when you're feeling rough. Just keep it short. Keep all the links about 10 seconds long. Play lots of music. Keep everything short so you don't expose, accentuate the positives, hide the negatives. And I thought, I'll just get through this four hours. And I did. Everything was short. Every, every link was about 10 seconds long. Played some songs. Afterwards, the boss of the station says, can I give you a call? Are you free? I said, yeah, sure. I'm thinking, oh, no, I'm in trouble. And then I answered the phone and the boss went, that was the best radio show I think you've ever done. And I'm glad that you did it for us. I was like, oh, thanks very much. I'm delighted. They loved it because I shut up and played songs. We think most commercial radio bosses want you to do anyway. So I just shut up and played songs. And uh, and I just did that for another day. And then I went home and, and slept and cried for a week. So it was good times. So that's my Liverpool story. <laughs> That is a great story, Tom. Thanks, mate. <laughs> I, I, I'm trying to imagine you being like trying to do these things. He goes, all right, this is Tom Campbell of Juice XM, and this is Black Legend, The Trouble With Me. The trouble with me is I'm hanging out my ass. <laughs> and the music kicks in. You're not half wrong. <laughs> so what I did. <laughs> you just, you just, if you keep Link short, nobody can see how hungover you are. <laughs> That's a, a tip that I've always learned. <laughs> anyway, this is we, Tom we... Campbell for Juice Exa. I had some juice last night, some vodka in it. <laughs> no. You listen to Blur, which is why there's a noise I'll be making all tomorrow morning. <laughs> listen to Blur, which is what my life is. <laughs> You've made a good choice. Hello, Tom Campbell. Jerry Lee Lewis is on. Do you know that he married his 13 year old great <laughs> What a time. Back to you, Mav. Yeah. <laughs> Too cool to hear for a singles match, sadly. Um, why have I written that? Because Brian That's Christopher's here sense. for a singles match. Yeah, they're here for a singles match. Memphis as a, uh, legend Brian Christopher. That's right. Uh, Grandmaster Sex, say, Ah, oh, this is a setup. The four-way tag title match this Sunday. Uh-huh. And involving the Hardys and TNA. Which is a shame because if you ask my opinion, which no one did, they probably should have done the six-person match that they've just did on SmackDown on the pay-per-view, because it probably would have been hotter than this, but what do I know, Tom? <laughs> but don't worry, Tom. 
it's okay. Michael Cole exclusively reveals that Memphis will in fact get an XFL team. <laughs> so it's Grandmaster Sexay, the local lad versus Christian, with Edge at ringside keeping the Elvis outfit on. Edge Elvis able to assist Christian in stun gumming Brian Christopher on the steel steps. Uh, he then makes a peanut butter cheeseburger and sits in the corner and eats it on the toilet. Big bumping action as the commentators run down the rest of the show. Edge can't use the ring bell because he's too fat, but Hottie grabs it off him, and while the referee is dealing with him outside, Edge gives a big fat spear to Christian, but he's in fact too fat to get out of the ring in time. So while the referee is yelling at him, Hottie nails the ring bell on Christian, thus letting Sexy win. They were doing some really creative finishes here with these tag matches uh, during SmackDown. I have noticed them, and it doesn't matter what the rest of the match is like, and in fairness to Sexy, he had his big bump and boots on. These these convoluted but work really well roller coaster finishes. I'm I'm really liking digging. What did you think of this? I think it must have been a great buzz for Brian Christopher, who I know has been uh, at many shows around Memphis for a long time. Like he's a he's a staple. He's been a staple of there for some time. But it must be really cool to be at this point in the year 2000 to have an act that is over like Rover to be in like the the top five baby faces of the WWF and do a show in Memphis in front of a, a, an electric crowd and to get the reaction that you did it was really it must have been really cool like there was a lot you felt a lot of love for brian christopher on this particular night you know memphis boy but um i enjoyed it i thought it was a, i thought it was a great match the elvis thing is something that sticks out in my mind i think whenever you do uh, whenever you watch uh, vignettes and reels of edge and christian a clip of this normally comes up so it's obviously considered one of their their greater hits during the five second pose era. Would you say so? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think the only thing that takes away from it is the fact that he is coming out doing hip hop and dancing, and you can hear it even on the network. Uh, they're ripping up the chairs and go boo. This is neither Elvis nor Jerry Lee Lewis. How dare you, <laughs> Grandmaster Sexy? We don't. We're still trying to figure out why you put an A in sexy. <laughs> there is no A in sexy. Get out of here, you USWA washout. <laughs> no, you're right. This a uh, fantastic run for this uh, man. And yeah, one of probably the highlight of his career. Mm, very much so. You know who else has a highlight of their career coming up now? Oh my God. <laughs> oh no. Uh, it's sad, but true. Here's Dean Malenko oh, with Dean. three women massaging him. <laughs> Terry says, wow, because you're such a lady killer, Dean Malenko, she wants him to do just that, killer lady, in a mixed gender tag match later on. Dean declines, but then Terry says, well, then I guess you'll just miss out on this, and swaggers away, and I guess we're supposed to infer she's going to shag him. <laughs> and once Dean realises he's going to miss out on some Terry bull sex, he chases her with his towel, yelling, Terry! That's right, it's the SmackDown debut of sex icon himself, Dean Malengo, the man of a thousand holds, and they're all from the Karma Sutra. <laughs> Did I miss a meeting? <laughs> like... No, he's always been like this. <laughs> it's just the fact that... What are you talking about, Tom? <laughs> he went, like, the last time I saw Dean Malenko on SmackDown, it was in a very competitive singles match. And now he's backstage being rubbed down by three clearly bored women. 
And I, I don't know whether when when we went into the multiverse where Dean Malenko is a chick magnet. I mean, I'm not. I am not 100% against the idea of Team Malenko suddenly being a ladies' man. Like, they they go to town with this on Sunday Night Heat, mainly, where he gets new theme music, like, James, and it gets constantly referred to as James Bond-esque. Like, they they really go for oh, this God. particular gimmick for Team Malenko. Um it just seems like a weird way to introduce it just by going, oh, by the way, all the women fancy Dean Malenko. We hadn't mentioned it before. We hadn't even hinted at it before, but they do. And here they are. Hey, baby. Do you know why they call me the great Malenko? <laughs> Is it because the insane clown posse? Yes, that's right. <laughs> do you want a shag? <laughs> like... Dean Malenko said... Like... Again, whenever it's pointed out uh, WCW was stupid and didn't book people properly, uh, the number one times WCW diehards go, you had Dean Malenko and turn him into, quote, James Bond-esque. <laughs> <laughs> I love that they said that and had the audacity to have his theme music, which, if I remember right, was like, Dino. <laughs> Dino. Pretty much. <laughs> It was it was very much um it felt a bit goldfinger like if I remember it correctly. It was a bit like Goldfinger. Yeah. He's James Bond esque. Uh and that bond is Lazenby. <laughs> God Malenko. But again, it's so funny how Terry just like, well, let's introduce this gimmick. <laughs> well, you're the lady killer. <laughs> Dean should have gone, am I? <laughs> yeah, when I I like <laughs> like he's woken up and he's doing quantum leap. He's just woken up in the body of a lady killer. <laughs> the APA gave him three power bombs and he woke up and suddenly he was the world's sexiest man. He's hoping that the next leap will be his leap back home. <laughs> yeah, the guy appears and goes, "It's all right, Dean. I can help you get back to your old body." No, it's all right, mate. I'm, I'm, Actually, I'm okay this like this. fine. <laughs> But no, you'd be having five star matches with Jericho again. No, no, no it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> I'd rather have three star women rubbing me down. <laughs> I'll reap pet. Oh, Dean. <laughs> I like it when we do these, and every so often, a major player on the WWF roster will suddenly become Geordie. Like, <laughs> he'll go, oh, I'm Triple H at the start, when I reap rock, I'm going to have you. <laughs> I'll tell you all you can you all make you silly bastard. <laughs> <laughs> hey, when you could see him pack on, the, on AEW to the day. Come walking, out onto, walking did. out onto the stage going, Oh, see you, Eddie Kingston, you silly bastard. I'm going to have you. <laughs> <laughs> That's what he said, isn't it? That's it, yeah. And then like that, Malenko's like, I am a honey badger. <laughs> Honey badger. Anyway, Tabaki is wacky presents Eddie Guerrero rolling up China on Raw in a King of the Ring qualifier after tricking her into a hug. However, Eddie then gave China a small dog for forgiveness. Tabaki is indeed wacky, Tom. More of that later on, but Triple H wonders what's going on. 
And so does Shane. <laughs> I forgot know to mention. I bothered writing that down. I forgot to mention earlier on. <laughs> I love how that's a line in your notes. I forgot to mention earlier on how um, after Vince said we're all having a tag match later, and Shane left, and then we come back from break, and Shane's in the car, and Triple H just opened the door and is going. Look, Shane, you, you're going to do it. And Shane's like, I'm not. And Triple H is like, if I'm doing it, you're doing it. And it reminded me of, of going to see relatives at Christmas with my brothers. Going, look, I've got to go see Auntie Belinda. You're coming with me. But I want to. I don't care. You're coming with me. I'm not going on my own. You're coming with me. I thought you were going to say, like, I reminds me of my time in Liverpool and my friend said, let's, <laughs> let's do a shot of that Navy rum I've heard so much about. And he goes, well, bloody not. And he goes, hey, if I'm doing it, you're doing it, Tom. And he goes, but I have work tomorrow at Juiced. <laughs> I, will, I must be sober drinking Domestos. It's fine. <laughs> One hour later, what's that you're drinking? Giz it. <laughs> Hi, I'm Alpha Male, Tom Campbell. <laughs> I'm out for me, Lady Kingston, you silly bastard. <laughs> Gonna have you. <laughs> China is here, and so is Eddie. The happy couple are still a happy couple. Uh, they're still all right, so it must have been a really good small dog. <laughs> However, it's not here with them, and I don't know if that's because their opponent is the big boss man, <laughs> a man who knows a thing or two about small dogs. And did they things. reference that on commentary? They I sadly did... didn't. That it's makes right me sad. That makes me sad because yeah, some low-hanging fruit you could have plucked from the tree and you chose not to. Yeah. But you know what? I think Big Boss Man couldn't even eat a small dog if he wanted to <laughs> because apparently Bull Buchanan dumped him on Raw. Oh. And hey, he was working as a waitress in a cocktail bar when he met Bull. Uh, so Big Sad Man dominates Eddie, uh, but I guess Eddie's used to that with being with China. Uh, so Eddie does a nice bit where he jumps right off the top rope into the Boss Man Slam, as opposed to bouncing off the ropes. So China grabs his foot as he runs the ropes. So he goes out the ring and decks her. Michael Cole yells, What's his problem? Uh, she grabbed his leg, Cole. And while that's happening, serious Val Venus nails Eddie with Bossman's nightstick to set up the finish. Oh, but wait, China smacks Bossman with the European title anyway because China must pose. Really, one of the most protected people in all of SmackDown is China right now. Even if she loses, she gets a small dog and Bossman gets a snack. <laughs> what were your thoughts here, Tom? You were working as a lackey in the Truth Commission. <laughs> When I met you, I picked you up, I pulled you up and turned you around. I turned you into boss man too. <laughs> now six months later on, you've got the world at your feet. You're fighting Undertaker too. <laughs> but don't forget, it's me that put you where you are now. And I will eat your dog as well. <laughs> don't you want me Buchanan? Don't you want me? Oh, that's my notes for the uh, for this match. <laughs> <laughs> 
One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, "What the f- are you talking about you insane Hollywood ass So to recap we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month Give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch $45 up front for 3 months plus taxes and fees promo rate for new customers for limited time unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows full terms at mintmobile.com Hi I'm Daniel founder of Pretty Litter Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain I learned this the hard way after losing my cat Gingy So I created Pretty Litter a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors saving you money and potentially your cat's life Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy Terms and conditions apply see site for details You know what this is going so well this episode of Smackdown Let's make it worse. Yeah. Pat Patterson is in drag and the women's locker room smoking a tab like a wrong'un. <laughs> and that's happening in the background. In the foreground, Terry and Kat are talking smack as their feud never ends. Or starts, for that matter. Anyway. It does uh, exist in this sort of weird subspace, the Terry and Kat feud lives in the weird subspace between between a feud starting and a feud ending i believe that it's 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 the same space that the end of the dfs sale and the beginning (laughs) of the cream eggs live in this sort of weird non-time where it just it's just like this bubble that is removed from everything else so i think the day that this feud ends will be the day the dfs sale ends and it's not happening anytime soon. I'm looking forward to getting um, tweets from confused American friends saying, "What's what is a DFS sale?" I'm not going to add to it. You can ask me if you want. Yeah, I'm pretty sure the stands and practices uh, would love DFS and goes, "Is it a sale if you never stop putting it on sale?" I thought that was a legal thing. Um, I thought I do remember hearing a story about some large chain in America where. Instead of having things on sale, they just go, you know what? Will this permanently reduce the prices? But because they weren't putting sale, sale, and 20% off on every item, even though it was the same price, people go, and this is bollocks, this. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's true. The, it really is the illusion of them. Oh, limited time offer. You're you saving think... money by buying this. That really gets people. Why do you think everything that we buy is like something 99? Because it's easier for our brains to think, Oh, it's not spending too much money. If if something is if if a muffin from McDonald's is two ninety nine rather than three, like of course we're going to buy it. It's only two. That's what our brain sees. Yeah, it's very clever. It is. You know, it's clever having all the WWF superstars say, "Please, don't try this at home." Mm. It would be horrible if you tried this at home. And one of the wrestlers they have saying this is Mick Foley, <laughs> who aired his backyard wrestling footage as Dude Loved in order to get a WF World Title push. Just saying. 
it's it is funny the fact that he was always the last voice in that don't try this at home video he was the one at the end saying please leave the danger to us I was like, yeah mate you jumped off your roof yeah <laughs> what they really should be doing is i think what they want you to hear is please stop bringing up the ptc <laughs> Look, there's only two intergender matches this episode of SmackDown, all right? We're getting better. <laughs> anyway, we turn things back up to the good setting with Kurt Angle backstage, thrilled that he's on the front cover of WWF magazine. And it's, it's supposed to look like the uh, cereal box, uh, but it says Integrity. I forgot what it's called now. Uh, the blokey who in UFC did the jump off the cage kick was on the front cover of it so it's a big thing uh, anyway stephanie my man is thrilled and wishes him good luck he says thanks i can't wait to win the king of the ring then beat your husband for the title <laughs> well see you it's the best <laughs> stephanie loving this complete dork is so great complete polar opposite to triple h and i guess that's why you know the opposite attract and all this and it's ah. Oh, yeah, no one's going, why is Stephanie into this maroon or anything like that? It's just Kurt Angle is so oblivious. He's so unaware and he's so unlike Triple H that it's just like, you know, you don't even question it. What I love is, and I know we've seen a little bit of it with some some little back. He had a match with The Rock last week. Um, we're seeing him already starting to breathe that very special air at the top just in the ring with The Rock last week and talking about beating Triple H for the title. It's like, this is exciting. This is a this is the start on the ascent that we are seeing now with all these associations. It's, it, you, it's a can't miss. He's a can't miss. I'm so excited that in a few months' time, we get to talk about like the, the real rise of Kurt Angle. That's right. Am I saying all those very insightful things? I got to Google and type out UFC cereal. It was, of course, Wheaties. So Wheaties. integrity is the kind of... Yeah, that kind of works. Yeah. It makes sense. <laughs> yeah, but doing this has obviously just brought up people doing horrible photoshops where Conor McGregor's on the front row of Lucky Charms. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay. Who would be good on a... Which, which wrestler would belong on a cereal box cover that hasn't already been? Oh, that's simple, Tom. Go on. Sean Stasiak. Meaties. Brilliant. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, can I also suggest can I also suggest that we put Max Moon on a on a packet of ricicles? What? I want Max Ru Max Moon on a box of ricicles. Why is that, Tom? Because he's astronaut, isn't he? Spaceman. <laughs> he's out of this world. He's out of this world. <laughs> So um, just like just like Conan, was, I was out of this world when he rang up Bruce Pritchard in character. Mom, yo yo, it's K Dog. Alale, is there a space for me in WWF? And Bruce Pritchard went, who? Uh, sending a tape. <laughs> I love that story so much. Oh, that's awkward, isn't it? That's awkward. <laughs> we just said hello. It's Conan. It's like oh, hello, Conan. <laughs> I remember somebody telling me about a, a a radio presenter from the north of England that um, tried to get a discount at Disney World on the door by saying, do you know who I am? Oh. 
My toes, my toes curled up for them. 20 years on from that discussion. Is it somebody I would have heard of? No, I don't think. I can't, I can't oh, quite. That makes it even better. Lucky, be lucky for them, I can't quite remember their name. It was um, a story that Alex's dad told me. Um, but for the life of me, I can't remember who they are. But I've it always never makes seen, me smile. Sorry. I've never seen one of those. It's one of my little boxes to tick. My bucket list is to see someone go, don't you know who I am? And go, no. <laughs> no, wait, I did see. It's not quite, not quite the same. All right, I'll be brief. At one of the ICW uh, Fear and Loathing mega events, uh, I went up with the music dude and gave him a bunch of old WCW tapes. He went, great, here's a thing for the after party uh, at a different club. And I got my little thing to go in, the VIP section. I went, woohoo. Uh, so I travelled, weirdly enough, with um, Jimmy Havoc and Bram. I wasn't aware of that before they got in the taxi, and that was a very uncomfortable few minutes. That's uh, that's in and, and in hindsight, that is that's quite the taxi uh, you've yeah. got on the go. Even there. more awkward uh, was the fact that they were deep in conversation for about uh, for a few minutes, and it was only when Bram like turned his head after talking to Jimmy for like about something, you know, and then he like saw me and went, "Wait, where did you come from? Have you been here the whole time?" And I and I just blagged like very you know you know I can beat Tom from when I'm faced with danger I just tend to talk crap so yeah. he went I said yeah stuck in via the window and he went really how'd you do that I went no no mate <laughs> <laughs> for Christ's sake he goes no I've been here the whole like the whole time he's like no you haven't <laughs> anyway after some uncomfortable taxi ride ended I was like oh thank Christ I think this is my stop and I just jumped out and <laughs> um, we got there and I showed my ticket and he went all right go. Cool. And then Havoc and Bram tried to get in, and the guy's like, whoa, where's your, where's your tickets? And they went, we, we wrestled on the show. He went, what show? The wrestling show. And he goes, I'm not a wrestler. Like, oh, I'm the the the, the, not the, 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 the the bouncer for this pub, this club. Uh, who the friggin' hell are you? All this is going on when incredibly loud pumping music is playing. So, this, you know, they're having to yell at each other. Oh, know? no. Oh, I'm Jimmy Havoc. It is his Bram. <laughs> um, and all this... And eventually, like, you know, they had to go get Mark Dallas and have to go, I let him in. And but before then, it's me going, just staring at this, going, I just got in. <laughs> I, these two are bled. <laughs> Jimmy's still bleeding. <laughs> you know. And I'm here's me covered in, you know, I'm brew <laughs> uh in a in a smile with my little golden ticket going, Yeah, it was me. Anyway, so <laughs> not quite the same, but because he'd eventually get in. I'm just there going, ha ha ha. Anyway, uh, but one day, and when it does happen, I will sure to tell everybody on the SmackDown. I had somebody once on a night out say, do you know who he is, pointing to me, which was awful. Oh, I hate that. I when it, that. We were outside a nightclub, and it was a mate of mine who was visiting from, from down south, Hood Baby. And um, <laughs> he, we, the nightclub was full. I was like, no, nah, mate, you're not getting in. And the guy went, do you know, my mate went, do you know who he is? He does drive time on Heart FM. I was like, oh, mate, please don't. And then the, <laughs> and the bouncer loves this. And I'm just like, I do, but it's not. Oh, I listen to Smooth. It's like, oh, great. I go to other nightclubs. Like, I just, I just <laughs> suddenly you find you. Oh, it, that's, that's what I've had when taxi drivers used to ask what I did. And uh, they say, what you do? I, said, I, used to, when I used to be ready. I, sometimes I'd lie. More often than not, I'd lie and say I work for Sky. Um, but 
I used to when I used to say, oh, I'm a radio presenter, and they go, oh, what do you work for? I don't oh, I work for Hearts. Inevitably, they go, oh, I listen to Smooth. And it's just a weird thing to say because I don't because I had to fight the urge every time to just not go. That's all right. I normally call an Uber. Like, <laughs> it's just why would you say anyway? It's that's off the beaten track. Um, back to you, Matt. <laughs> yes. No, I did enjoy that because, yes, I have had that many a time on my drunken wrestling mates. Like, oh, do you watch wrestling? I'm like, mate, please, please leave him be. And, I'm like, and it's always like, oh, I watched God. it when I was 10 and then I grew out of it like a normal human being. Like, like a like, normal society member does. Yeah, and like, do you watch what you mean? I'm like, mate, shut up. <laughs> For Christ's sake. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I couldn't think of a funny segue. Rikishi versus Chris Benoit for the Intercontinental title. Something, something, murder. There, there we go. Uh, two men beating the hell out of each other in a very competitive match. And I do enjoy the chemistry both men have. And it is interesting to see that Sonny Rikishi has become the best brawler on the roster with this match and the brawls with uh, Valvinas the previous weeks. But he's no match for the rabid Wolverine who can stop any wrestler. And crowd response, as they're not that into it, as Benoit still doesn't really appreciate that whole WWF thing. Rikishi splats Benoit, the Samoan drop, absolutely pounds him. You'd think he was Trish Stratus, and a thrust kick sends him into the corner. Benoit gets out of the ass-to-mouth, but Rikishi belly-to-bellies his counter the cross-face, and Rikishi drags him over, lands the Banzai drop to win the Intercontinental title for the first time. Fantastic. Too Cool have three titles, and they join Rikishi in the ring for a celebrity dance, and they are indeed the triple threat. Mm. So Benoit chair shot everyone while they're dancing. Murder on the dance floor I've written here, so I guess I'll say it. And it must be in the contract right now. Rikishi has to get brutalized every week on SmackDown because Benoit crossfaces far too until the useless referees show up to say, Oi, get off. Oh no, how can Rikishi be in one pace for King of the Ring? Tom. Isn't it funny how you're right there? Like Rikishi just became a bit of a, a crash mat for several weeks people just beating him up constantly i was really excited to see rikishi become the ic champion though like i was surprised i didn't think he would win it i remember watching this thinking i don't think he's gonna win it i was surprised that he win it i thought that belt suited him i thought there was something really cool about having a, like after having benoit as the ic champion for ages and i loved benoit's reign as ic champion and i'll enjoy his other ones like the the workhorse who are just out there every week wrestling people. Just a nice changing of pace to have a big lad like Rikishi now dominating the division for however long he does. It doesn't become that memorable a reign with the exception of a rematch he has for the title down the road. But otherwise, I was happy to see this. Benoit getting his heat back at the end. And as you say, it kind of puts Rikishi in jeopardy for the king of the ring. This this Sunday, oh my days! More on that in a bit. But I like this. I was happy with this. I'm sorry that I'm not quite as awake as I should be during these things. All people are enjoying this lovely occasion of the episode of SmackDown that we are currently watching and recapping back to you, lovely people at home. And I had just had the thought that if we were doing wrestlers with cereal, why not Big Boss Man's little chocolate dogs? And the adverts could be, that's right, Big Boss Man's dogs. He's picked them and killed them himself. He goes, Big Boss Man's dogs. Mm. Bow, wow, wow, yippee-yay, yippee-yay. <laughs> They're <grr> dead. <laughs> woof, woof, milk, milk. 
They're part of there this go, stupid can tell. breakfast. <laughs> Al Snow Wonder, I'm getting a push and he isn't. <laughs> he must have got up early and had his... <laughs> It's Big Boss Man chocolate dogs. Yeah. That's it. Al Snow gets pinned by Big Boss Man <laughs> on heat. And he looks up the camera and goes, damn it. He must have had Boss Man's dogs for breakfast. <laughs> no, give it his full name. He must have had his Big Boss Man chocolate dogs. The Big Boss Man chocolate dogs. Free, free Pepper's head in every packet. Ridiculous, Buchanan. Big Boss Man's dogs... Chocolate dogs are for kids. Look, Mum, I saved up the packets of eight, one of these disgusting cereals, and now Big Boss Man promises to show up at my funeral with a PA system. <laughs> Yay! Big Boss Man's here! You are a lucky Big Boss Man's chocolate dogs winner. <laughs> That's me. That's me. This funeral right here. <laughs> Wow, 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 yippee, oh, yippee, I'm legally goes... obligated to say that Big Boss Man's chocolate dogs are 95% sugar. <laughs> wow, that's almost as much sugar as RC Edge, Maximum Power Cola, blah, 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 I can say it. Which presents Stephanie McMahon getting yanked off the apron by Jericho during... So, wait, what? Triple H versus Hardcore Holly <laughs> on Sunday Night Heat? What the bloody hell is this? I know, right? Heat is a uh, little gold mine for, for matches like this sometimes, you know. Uh, RC Edge Maximum Power Cola. You can even drink it during the sea shows. Oh, <laughs> blimey. And we get another stunning SmackDown debut. No, it's not serial related. Of Hardcore Holly's singles theme. Now that Crash Holly has taken his own. <laughs> I didn't realise this theme went all the way back to 2000, but it is the one that would later on have the How do you like me now? The do 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 that one. We are in um, line for push number 30, 42 of Hardcore Holly. Yes, and that, it has slightly declined the pop that Hardcore gets because I guess they were... <laughs> it'd have the same thing as Crash. You'd be like, yeah! Oh, it's Hardcore. <laughs> Now you know it's not crash, so it's like, oh, this is how this is how over you really are, hardcore. Anyway, the big shot, as he calls himself, isn't happy with Jericho uh, interfering in his match on Heat, so he's gonna eat you and beat you and then tell you, how do you like me now? Wow, that almost sounds like a catchphrase, Tom. <laughs> no one likes the same phrase. They're gonna try and push this now, aren't they? This is gonna be eat you and beat you. Like one of Billy Gunn's asses. Like like a nutritious bowl of Big Boss Man's oh. chocolate dogs. They're grim. <laughs> Not to be confused with Mr. Fuji's ribbed dogs. <laughs> Free bag of piss in every packet. I can read the humorous anecdote on the back of the packet about how he was there at Pearl Harbor. Honest to God, Mr. Fuji's promos in 87. I don't talk about that on my hotline. But at which war atrocity Mr. Fuji was there laughing at <laughs> by calling the hotline. The death of Jerry Blackwell does not count as a war atrocity, Gene. We keep telling you. <laughs> but Mr. Fuji was there. Fuji's laughing at this funeral. Nothing could make it better. <laughs> Is that a big boss, man? 
from Big Boss Man's Chocolate Dogs. Are you our lucky kid? Yeah, I am. This funeral over here. Yeah, Jerry Blackwell. <laughs> <laughs> All the biggest of people going, what? What? The heck? Why? <laughs> It's what Jerry Blackwell would have wanted. Jerry Blackwell's <laughs> never met him. Wait, he who's this? Bow wow wow yippee yay yippee yay. It's Big Boss Man's chocolate ducks. <laughs> Thank you, Big Boss Man's chocolate ducks. <laughs> What's this going on? Mr. Fuji's going up to people saying, "So sorry for your loss," and just pissing on the leg, sorry, staring them right in the sooner. eye. I'm sorry I couldn't have the chance to kill him. <laughs> God. Chris Jericho is here. Not at the funeral of Jerry Blackwell, but in SmackDown, the thing we were supposed to be talking about. And I'm sure Pachiti is thrilled to be counting the money he's paying us for. Wearing... <laughs> <laughs> he won't admit it, but he loves this podcast. <laughs> See, he listens to the first five minutes and is like, all right, cool, they're, they're talking about SmackDown, they're talking about the uh, Gladiator film, that's good, and then an hour into it. So I says to him, Pearl Harbor. <laughs> <laughs> if Coltaholic was a spaceship, the podcast server that, I, that I've taken control of is very much the detachable back end. <laughs> the ship will function fine without it, but onwards we fly. <laughs> Like, like the random Steve Austin appearance and watch an episode of Raw from 96. <laughs> Up next, the pug. T.L. Hopper. <laughs> the goon. Stone Cold Steve Austin. <laughs> Doink the clown. <laughs> the problem is that the, the way this podcast goes now is it very much taints everything it touches. I.e. Oh, no. like the fact that we had Matt McMuscles, like an amazing mind of video game and entertainment like somebody with with such a unique scope on the world we had him for two and a half hours on this podcast and within two hours he was going Steph and john draw me this <laughs> it poisons everything it touches this podcast i feel like if we did if we if we had steve austin on he'd be here at this point going oh i tell you what i'd love me some big boss man chocolate dogs John, draw me eating some chocolate dogs. Colonel XB, animate me eating some chocolate dogs. Mr. Fuji, go out and kill some dogs and smother them in chocolate. Already ahead of you, Steve Austin. You had me at kill dogs. How dare, how dare we mock wrestling in this episode of SmackDown when, you know, wrestling, the business, was like, that dude who killed dogs. Sorry, you're going to have to... Gonna give you some more info. <laughs> yeah. what, which which you, decade did this occur? Yeah, yeah. Come on, you're gonna go throw me a bone here. That's a bit of. <laughs> you're gonna give me a bit more intel. <laughs> so you can throw all the bones you like. Your dogs are coming back to you. <laughs> what? Fuji? What? In fact, here's some of his bones. What the bones that he the bones that he liked in a way. <laughs> Chris Yergo is here. Hey! <laughs> Welcome to Jerry dogs. Blackwell's funeral. Is <laughs> Jericho! <laughs> oh, Christ! Oh, 
dogs and wrestling and SmackDown. I mean, there's only one person missing. <laughs> Where's my funeral? Oh, no, Bulldog, no, no. You've got a funeral coming up like every other human being on Earth. You call that a funeral? No, Bulldog. This is incredibly insensitive right now. Could you die later on? I want my funeral. All right, no, look, 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 we're drawing the line now. This is a completely... All right, everyone move along, move I'm along. I'm just saying, you've not done any test jokes this week. You might as well do some bulldog jokes. I mean, according to the union contract we have here, um, you know, that Zena Vega will probably be joining us soon. Uh, we do have to put the bulldog jokes in. And, yes, test is eligible for a joke. Okay, um... Steph... <laughs> how do I eat a dog? Oh... Just, I, I feel keep, bad even saying that. I keep that. tapping A. <laughs> Steph, I haven't listened to all 150 episodes of the SmackDown podcast. Um, <laughs> I only tuned in because Mama Muscles plugged it. What are they talking about? <laughs> Who's Jerry Blackwell? Oh, well, Tess, to find that out, you have to bring up this Jimmy Jean Hunt. Oh, forget it. <laughs> Suddenly, so Jerry Backwell's funeral looks like the music video for Jump Around by House of Pain. <laughs> Chris Jericho is here with that one good shirt he had in this period, the Jericho-holic red and yellow thing from oh, No Mercy 64. One. Good shirt, that. Yeah, it's a good one. Better than the horrible picture of his face that he had last time. Uh, I enjoy Holly versus Jericho. And if you couldn't tell, the fact that we spent five minutes talking about everything but this match... Um, but of course, we do get the greatest dropkick in all of wrestling from Hardcore Holly. Still not to put Jericho down. Lola says he can't wait for King of the Ring, the pay-per-view they named after him. Cole says, oh, please. But then agrees Will you that... you stop? Yeah. These... <laughs> then agrees, yeah, they they did. And you did brain Bret Hart, and it was classic. I'll give you that. <laughs> Begrudgingly admitting there. Jericho gets pushed off the top rope, going for the dropkick, and dunks himself in the barricade like the spot Rob Van Doo would do every single match. Uh, Teddy Long says, Oi, stop that. So while he's getting yelled at, Stephanie McMahon dunks the women's title on Jericho's back. Some fine acting there from Jericho, allowing Hardcore Holly to pit, no, wait, kick out by Jericho, who immediately recovers and lands the line salt for the win. Stephanie isn't happy. Uh, she's probably as happy here as she is doing angles on Sunday Night Heat. <laughs> any thoughts here on the match or any of the other silly bollocks we'll talk about uh, match is fine uh, it's just uh, the latest attempt to push hardcore Holly is happening again um, moving him away from the hardcore division and putting him in there with Jericho and Triple H on heat <laughs> you know they are they've, they forever had a bonk on for for hardcore Holly like they desperately want to make this guy a household name. And it's just not happening. And they'll try for many more years to come. And I wish them luck with it. <laughs> I mean, I really do. I mean it. <laughs> Good luck with it. You're going to need it. I believe Tom. Thanks, mate. Uh, Kat, somewhere in the Memphis arena, is really needing a partner. So she yells at Taka Michinoko like he's dumb because he no speaky Ingly. So she yells at him like it's well, the year 2000, I guess. Uh, so eventually he, he after saying, oh, partner, you want partner? Yeah, 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 partner. Oh, Funaki, he my partner. Um, and 
Poor Funaki, because and she goes, oh, I really need a partner tonight. No, you partner with me. Oh, Funaki, you be his partner. Even the cat who's desperate for a partner right now goes, oh, I don't want Funaki. Oh, and... <laughs> I'm sad Drags that Kung Funaki got dissed in that way. Yeah. But don't worry, that means we get Taka and Cat versus Dino the Stud Muffin and Terry <laughs> Runnels. Uh-huh. Dino snaps suplexes Taka on the ramp and Terry tags in and she's so happy. Taka is then carried out by the referees after that one move. Oof. Thanks for coming, Taka. Uh, Dino attacks Cat from behind and tags himself in and that's enough for Jerry Lawler who comes in off the commentary position to drop Malenko with the best punches in wrestling as the crowd goes banana. Lola drops the straps, uh, or strap, and suplexes Dean, and that's enough for him to tag in Terry. She doesn't want none of Lola, so Lola forces her into the ring uh, so Kat can get the schoolgirl pin. Post-match, Dino attacks and delivers the Bronco. What? That's that badly typed? No, Matthew. Dino did not give the Bronco buster to... Jerry Lawler. Dino attacks and allows Terry to deliver the Bronco Buster. And at once Cat removes Terry from Lawler, Lawler is shown grinning. Crowd loved all of this. They love Lawler. They love Jerry Lee Lewis. Thanks for coming, Taka and Dean. <laughs> I mean, Taka got a suplex on the outside and he was done, which is a shame because if he had worked his, his XP up to main event level, he could have taken four of them in a title match and been fine. But <clears throat> because, sadly, he is not of that level, one suplex on the steel ramp is going to finish off his night. Uh, apparently, becoming a sex machine has increased Dean's uh, uh, strength because these two were having a uh, little run with the IC, not IC, what's it called, the light heavyweight title a few months ago. Now, one suplex is enough. Bye-bye, Taka. And Jerry Lawler actually in-ring looked, looked all right here like it was it got a massive pop big love for jerry lawler getting in there and uh i i liked how and i'm sure jerry must have road agented this whole match because it wasn't terry holding it wasn't terry holding uh it wasn't terry holding the cat back and having dean beat him up no, 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 no. it was dean holding the cat back whilst terry gave him a bronco buster <laughs> Yeah. He's the road agent at this point, isn't he? <laughs> yeah. And again, Jerry Lawler's happy face with that woman all over him. PTC did nothing wrong. <laughs> you should have a little pop-up like more combat and boss man. Whoop, and neither did I. Whoop. <laughs> so, yeah, and again, though, I do remember the giant pop Lawler got, though. Like, the entire arena go, Jerry, Jerry, for one of the loudest reactions of the night, rivaling The Rock. And someone holds up the sign saying, Lawler for mayor. And anyway, that he was, this was an earlier uh, year thing when Lawler decided, yeah, I'm going to run for mayor. And apparently, according to Bruce Pritchard, he was all up for the idea because he probably could have been nominated, but then stopped trying once he realised, oh, I'll have to do work, won't I? And was apparently relieved when he didn't win. <laughs> <laughs> hey, wait, I'm going to have to actually become a mayor, aren't I? I'm going to have to actually do, like, political things. Oh, Christ. Oh, crumbs. Kevin Kelly interviews Undertaker, the lying jailbird from last week. Undertaker chews tobacco. Guess no one told him it was wacky. Uh, and says, when was the last time that WF had a badass champion? 
I'm surprised they didn't radio edit badass out, considering <laughs> the music issues. Didn't radio edit, champion. Yeah. Bah, maybe that's just the tobacco talking. The Fink <laughs> tells Gerald Briscoe in that voice. And now, whenever I've heard uh, Luke Gallows do his impression of The Fink, I've always gone, that sounds nothing like him. Well, he doesn't talk like that because I realise I've only ever heard the Fink talk when he's doing, I don't know, running down the aisle, that voice. His normal but, voice is very deceptive, isn't it? Yeah, and I realise now that Luke Gallows' impression of Fink is 100% accurate because exactly how he talks here. <laughs> Gerald Briscoe. You know, and it's like, oh, that's the impression. Oh, good, yeah, good one, Luke. Don't get used to these compliments. Um, he tells him that he's hiding, Patterson is hiding inside the women's locker room. And Briscoe's like, how am I going to get in there? And uh, he goes, I have an idea. And he whispers it for some reason. And Briscoe, I ain't going to do a thing like that. <laughs> and, uh, well, you'll never guess what it is, but, well, I guess you'll have to because it's going to something else now, which is Road Dog doing his baby face intro shtick. Why is that, I wonder? That's very weird. I thought he was a bad guy and we stopped. Oh, he's got a new T-shirt to sell. Oh, selling the T-shirt. He's selling the merch, it, isn't he? He's got to push the merch. Of course. Getting that merch sold. Did someone say dog? No, boss man and Fuji, for Christ's sake. <laughs> Chocolate dogs? No, just regular dogs. <laughs> They're still edible, Where's aren't they? Where's my T-shirt? No, bulldog. You had a T-shirt. You call that... Oh, enough, enough. We've already done this. Go away. Go away, I, you old tired jokes. I had a WWF jokes. Attitude T-shirt. Does that count? Yes, that counts, bulldog. Steph, am I road dog? No, no, everyone, these bad jokes need to go away right now. This is just re rehashing the same old crap every week. This is getting silly. But Steph, Te these jokes are timeless. Steph, road dog 64. It's not even a real game test. It's not even a real game. He's trying too hard now. It's just stupid. Steph, what's a switch? Oh, no, he's stared into the future. <laughs> He's been in that wormhole again. Mr. Fuji's like, switches between, I alternate between pissing on your leg and staring you in the eye. No, Mr. <laughs> all right, this is enough. All right, all right, time out. All go outside, all of you. All of you, you crap gimmicks. Dick Murdoch like the WrestleMania looks like X7 Rodney Battle Dangerfield. Royal. Oh, no respect. Sorry, that's from the, that's from the classic Raw review. That was, that was bled over. Hey. <laughs> this weekend wrestling. This bloody weekend wrestling. Oh, that's, that's, that's bled over as well. Oh, no. Hi, I'm Photoshop John. If you like my work, then you can give me money on coffee. That's a good shout. That's a good. That's because he because he is a fellow Geordie, so from the northeast rather than not a Geordie. You're not a Geordie you're from Bishop Auckland. Um, that's right. But he is a Geordie, so you, like a bit like Pack. I'll tell you nothing, Kenny Omega. You silly bastard. Oh. Any kickstand, you right, bugger? Right now, if we put all these stupid jokes we've got going on, it would look like the front cover of the Beatles, Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club. It would, wouldn't it? Yeah. Anyway, and Road Dog is... this is the front cover <laughs> of the Beatles album. From Liverpool, where the cultaholic champion now resides. Road Dog is here with a T-shirt. <laughs> He's trying to sell it, but all these bloody stupid jokes keep on walking in. As a reminder... They dumped the duds in a dumpster and dunked them off the edge of the stage. Yes, I said it. Crowd still cheers Road Dog though, because do new 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 is timeless. Uh, they're the kings of the dumpsters and also the kings of the tables matches. That's an oddly specific thing. Yeah. I told that that's because this week on King of the Ring, it will be DX 
all three of them, meaning Dog, X-Pac, and uh, the Greek, is it the Green Goddess, I think she's called now, Tori. Oh, that'll work. Um, versus the Dudleys in a dumpster tables match, where for the Dudleys to win, they have to put all members of DX through tables. For DX to win, they have to put the Dudleys in a dumpster. Too complicated. There are a lot of gimmicks on this pay-per-view. Yeah. Didn't need to be this complicated. Like I don't know why people get bogged down too much in detail. And just keep it simple to a dumpster match. It'd have been fine. I don't know why people feel like they have to overbook stuff. I think because I think because sometimes good ideas are born, and then because you sit with that idea for so long, you feel like that idea is old hat. Whereas you haven't actually told anyone the idea so it's only old hat to you so you haven't told the free world yet so whether or not they they mulled over the idea of a dumpster match and before they muted it to anybody they decided that it wasn't enough i don't know but it's it's too much it's silly one or the other i agree maybe it's because as they saw the great american bash 2000 and went wow look at all the gimmicks on that we should do that <laughs> If you think this gimmick's bad, wait to see what's coming up next. Anyway, the Xbox says, The Duds are tough. If you consider putting defenseless women through tables as tough. It's a good point there, actually, Xbox. Uh, you, you bad person. Very valid. And he then says, You can take that to the bank and cash it like your mama does your welfare check. <laughs> what? What? Excuse me? Anyway, it's Devon versus Rodog in a singles match, so we know... Devon's losing. It's the... I don't make the rules around here. Uh, da, 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 da. Bubba goes for Tori at ringside. So X-Pac delivers the X-Factor to Devon for the loss. Uh, that was obviously such a thrilling match. I skipped right to the finish. But who cares when we've got all these gimmicks going on. Bubba tries to powerbomb Tori through a table, but the duds are stopped by the supposed peels, I guess. I going to say. Wouldn't it be weird if they did a gimmick? On WF TV, that was pro PTC. Enable them to vent, maybe in an almost oh, satirical way, make fun of the PTC issues. Very, very um, childish of them, I think, to bring something like that to real life. Yes, child childish, like the intended audience supposed to buy the Toy Biz merch and the RC Power Maximum Cola <laughs> Edge stuff. Because you just can't get away with violence towards innocent people like that, especially no. not on WF TV. Uh, and then Tony Chimmel's mic messes up a few times, so he gets put through the table. <laughs> and I think that they missed a they missed a thing here with Tony Chimmel getting put through a table because at least he should have had a microphone in his hand as he was doing it, going, "I'm about to break my fibula and tibula," and then just go through it. <laughs> Backstage, Joe Briscoe was in drag, and I have to say. He's a lot more convincing than Patterson. I have seen... Um, I've never seen a woman look like Pat Patterson. I've seen many... many ah, Christ, Matthew Sarkin. I've seen many women in Newcastle upon time late at night looking like Joe Briscoe here. Normally at the end of the night anyway, at Cozy Joe's, that's pretty much your your, your, your top draw there. That's where someone like that would turn up. Anyway, he drags Pat Patterson through the locker room. So Pat begs off. Says, remember, you are my best friend. You are my best friend. Like he's Eddie Kingston. And then throws talcum powder in the, the Briscoe's eyes. Like he's Eddie Kingston. As Lola shouts, cat. Yeah, I was going to say. As Lola shouts, cat fight. 
<laughs> they brawl outside uh, in Dragon, and Vince McMahon happens to walk past them, and they start apologising to McMahon. And he shows, you know what? If you two enjoy dressing up like this, then you know what? At King of the Ring, we're going to have the first ever dressing gown hardcore match. Because this show needed more gimmicks. <laughs> the crowd pops for this because they're not watching it. <sighs> anyway, is the Rock? Oh, you not? Were you not excited for the hardcore evening gown match? You know what? Maybe I would have. Be, you know, the idea of it and the idea of these two going at it. There's wackiness, there's hardcore stuff. Yeah, but I think a lot of people are like, oh, what's going to happen? And then exactly what you thought would happen would happen. And yeah. I remember WrestleCrop.com saying, uh, you want to hear the biggest pop of Crash Holly's career? <laughs> it's in interrupting this match. Uh, anyway, The Rock has come back to Memphis. And of course, The Rock has great balls of fire. Pop to Jerry D. Lewis, who is still awake. Or maybe it's a shot from earlier, I don't know. <laughs> They've got him propped up. <laughs> Look, it's Elvis. Where? <laughs> uh, the Rock promises that People's Era begins this Sunday. Setting the stage for the Mummy Returns era, starting yes. May 2001. God. Heck yeah. And then he smells box office receipts and all that. <laughs> and that sets up for the main event. The Undertaker rolling out to the music of Mr. Black from his new album, Mr. Black. <laughs> and it looks like for a hot minute, we're going to get the six-man main event as advertised. Wait, what's this? Vincent Mann has the microphone. Wait, he says, this no-DQ handicap match starts now. And DX and Bull Buchanan show up yes. to get pounded. Yes, big money, Bull. I can't believe Vince Mann would lie about the main event of SmackDown. I'll tell you, that's got to be Vince. <laughs> uh, they do as well as expected, so Vince introduces the second wave. It's Kurt Angle, Edge, and Christian. <laughs> They're able to make the big guy sell for 10 seconds, so then Vince introduces the third set of guys, and boy, does it look like it, because it's TNA and Venus. <laughs> Presumably low down, we're busy. Uh, Val Venus takes the rock bottom immediately to remind us what November 1999 was like. It turns into a big-ass brawl with Kane getting through the announce table. Wow, no. This is going to break up the... The big breakfast meal uh, I'm going to make for, for Linda. She wanted me to get her uh, an exciting new cereal, Eck, with maybe the possibility of a free gift inside, Eck. I was going to get her the Wheaties with Kurt Angle on the front, but they were sold out, Eck. I hope there's another wrestling-themed cereal I can purchase for Linda, my wife, Eck. <laughs> oh, I got you covered! <laughs> Big boss man, what are you doing here? <laughs> I brought you some of my new cereal. Looks at notes. Big boss man, chocolate dogs. <laughs> if you're lucky, you'll get a free nightstick or piece of shrapnel inside. <laughs> Fantastic. Linda loves pieces of shrapnel. <laughs> I'm making Linda a cup of tea. I'm also making the builder a cup of tea. Now, I must remember that Linda likes oat milk and no sugar. And the builder 
likes two sugars, but is allergic to oat milk. So I have to put in our cheap brand of skimmed milk, oh milk. I hope I don't get them <laughs> mixed up. And at the same time, I am rather inconveniently emptying the drains because they're blocked. <laughs> this cup of Mr. Muscle will go handy. Oh, you must add milk to this and stir it. I'd better put this cup right next to these other two cups. <laughs> Why do all our cups have the same colour? Ah, oh, maybe I should have some different ones. <laughs> <laughs> One hour later, Linda, Kane, sweetie, why is there a tea bag in the drain? Oh, I used some Mr. Muscle earlier, and uh oh, spaghetti! Oh, <laughs> and then that's got to be the, dead builder. <laughs> the belt just foaming at the mouth, hanging off the roof. That's Oi, builder! Be builder, get down! I'm not paying you to die. <laughs> <laughs> How are you going to fix this, Kane? Uh, would you like some Big Boss Man cereal? <laughs> I'd love it. Oh, thanks, Big Boss Man. <laughs> and the theme music, please. <laughs> uh, executive producer. <laughs> Come and eat your chocolate dogs. Big Boss oh. Man's chocolate dogs. I didn't realise you would like this, Linda. Oh, it's not for me. It's for my uh, nephew, Three times removed. Oh, who could it be? <laughs> Did someone say Pearl Hub? That's gotta be Kane. <laughs> Don't let this distract you. That Shane McMahon hits the uh, big rope elbow onto The Rock, who is wrestling in this match that we've all forgotten about. Oh, yeah, there's a match. And then Vince McMahon hits the Mac elbow. Yeah. That's in No Mercy 64. Aww. I was very happy to see this because it's mo-capped perfectly from this one moment. This is the exact moment they went, we have to put the Mac elbow in this game and wrote down Mac elbow. <laughs> and uh, I don't think you could get a win with this very easily. I think you have to at least three times because he's so slow and it's crap and everything. <laughs> but anyway, Vincent Mann pins the rock and uh, that's it. For a completely flat finish to a hot episode, <laughs> an otherwise hot episode of SmackDown in Memphis, you can see the crowd going, "Yeah, and so I hope there was stuff after the bell." There was after, after the cameras oh, okay, went great. off. According to Dave, Rock gave Shade and Triple H people's elbows and rock bottoms, so everybody went home happy. Ah, that's gotta be Rock. <laughs> Doesn't work the same, is it? Yeah, I popped for the Mac anyway. elbow. Popped for the Mac elbow at the end of that. That was the highlight yeah. for me. It was, I like that. I like. I mean, it was a bit of a setup all along, which we, which I said at the beginning of this podcast, it would be. It was a setup all along, um, and then Vince saying, "Here's the second wave." In 2020, it just made me twitch a little bit. I thought I was gonna, <laughs> I thought I was gonna have to shut my pub again. <laughs> but yeah far, yeah, it was a bit of a flat main event going into King of the Ring next in the in 72 hours time in the timeline that's right sorry I was looking at something on Slack yes that is exactly right the King of the Ring go home show as in you two should go home and consider your career choices if you call this a bloody podcast. <laughs> Tom, me and you should watch every episode of SmackDown and when we get bored about the thing that 
this is specifically about. We'll just talk crap. I genuinely think that people like it when me and you just talk nonsense. I feel like if both of us got I sacked from do. Cultaholic, we would just get together every week and just do it and just hit record and just see what comes out. <laughs> and it could be uh, Anyway. You know that, that, that'll definitely happen. What did you remember from this? It's gonna be awkward episode? though when you get signed to a big company like WWE, and I'm like, "Hey Tom, when we did all those jokes, what that Matthew? No, no, not now. Mate, you not and I now. are doing comms for NXT UK. That's gonna be amazing. <laughs> but there's there's flipping there in the ring. There's Rampage versus Volta, and we'll be there going, "Oh, Steph." <laughs> <laughs> Rampage looking at us from a silent BT Sports studio, <laughs> shooting daggers at us because all we're doing is dying laughing, <laughs> talking about British Bulldog. <laughs> wow, look at that. Oh, you can hear that blow all the way to trillions. That's a place <laughs> in Newcastle upon time where we're from and we used to frequent. Did you know Trillions was founded in 1802? Like, looking over going, what, the f- what are you doing? <laughs> all right, oh, talk about the match. You're right. Dogs. <laughs> uh, so, Tom, before we bore anyone else to tears, what was something about this episode of SmackDown that you remembered from when it was on originally? Okay, I remembered... Uh, oh, God, it was Parson and Briscoe. The, the Parson and Briscoe evening gown brawl that took place. And Patterson and Briscoe having that little moment of, of calm in the storm where, they, where Patterson went, I'm your best friend! It was almost a beautiful moment. And then Patterson just lay, threw talcum powder at him and they fought. I I was I was amused by this. Like this the snobby mark that I am now will tell you not the case. But I was as a kid very amused by this. What about you, sir? I remember the Rikishi Benoit title change. Mm. Uh, that was something that struck me because it's almost when you realise you know, the, the few seconds before you realise the finish is coming. When like, wait, wait, he got out of that. He got out of that move. Wait, he's striking him into the... There's no way even Benoit's going to kick out the freaking Banzai drop. <laughs> you know, one, two, three. <gasps> yay, that'll change. Yay, Rikishi, Rikishi, yay. So that was very happy considering Rikishi wasn't... Didn't have any issues with Benoit. He's got the issues with Venus, but Benoit didn't need that thing around his waist. No, I think yeah, he, he did. He did. He did. About. Oh, whatever. No, King of the Rings coming up. Everything's going to get mixed up anyway. So dress assured it'll make sense in one week's time. Hmm. No, I, I thought I thought it. Um, I thought it suited him. I thought I, I thought the belt suited yeah. him, and I also like Rikishi as champion. What did you forget from this time? I forgot Jerry Lee. No, no, you can't forget him, can you? I'm gonna go with Dean Malenko. <laughs> wah, wah, wah. Did you forget Dean all Malenko. about Bond esque? Dean Malenko. He's the man. The man who has a submission. <laughs> but you must not submit. His name sounds good in your ear. But when you see him, <laughs> you will not fear. Because he is only five foot two. <laughs> wah, wah, wah. Anyway. Uh, I forgot... Um, I tell you what I forgot in this episode. I've got Jerry Lawler coming to the aid of the cat. That surprised me. Forgot that's where they were going. And then as soon as as soon as he got in the ring, I went, "Of course, it's Memphis. 
course he's running to the aid of the cat. Of course he is. Yeah. Of course the authorities sense. aren't doing anything about him. It's Lola. Of course they're not. Uh, yeah, so I forgot about that as well. Uh, three days from time from this time period, it is King of the Ring 2000 and in the true spirit of the Cultaholic Classic Smackdown review, we will be doing a watch-along podcast. That means that we will be watching the podcast from beginning to end and offering you an alternative commentary track that you can enjoy the show with. And who be we? Well, it will be myself along with Matthew Gregg and for the first time ever in podcast form genuinely my favorite Twitch streamer of all time uh, editor Andrew who on a Monday night has just been setting the world on fire having a lovely time playing classic PlayStation games he is going to be watching some classic wrestling with us next week making his podcast debut as part of the King of the Ring 2000 watch along Matthew I'm excited to have Andrew with us I'm very excited to have that little, little, cute little person, the thingy man thing, uh, having to endure and hopefully enjoy King of the Ring 2000 with ourselves and hopefully the people listening to this. Hopefully more enjoy than endure, but we'll see how it goes. <laughs> yeah, he couldn't have picked a better pay-per-view. Oh, no, wait, yeah, he could have. He absolutely literally, could. Literally could have, yeah. He should have waited a month because it's fully loaded after that. Oh. <laughs> Gamble too soon. Until oh. next time, <clears throat> until we are next together. He... Wait, 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 Tom. Tom, we forgot the thing that we did a few weeks ago. Oh. If you have gotten this far, this I mean, episode, amazed if you have, because this is this is pushing two hours. <laughs> oh, really? God, well, you know what? Yes. Uh, if you have got this uh, this far, ha ha ha. Sad for you. And um, if you would like to get our attention or show your appreciation for getting all the way here as some sort of little reward. If you at me at my Twitter account, Twitter.com forward slash Mafu Greg, M A F E W G R E W G, the expression, hmm, think of something. Boss man's dogs. <laughs> boss man's cereal, boss man's dogs, I, boss man's. You need to, no, it needs to be boss man, big boss man, chocolate dogs. Big boss man's chocolate dogs. <laughs> Buttery biscuit chocolate dogs. Big, big boss buns. Buttery, buttery biscuit dogs. face. Yes, send that at me with that, and I will give you... No, I will send you a picture of Mr. Fuji. <laughs> what a treat! What and a as a treat. special reward as well, for the King Ring Watch Along, I promise to have gotten more than two and a half hours sleep. <laughs> he is at Matthew Gregg on Twitter. I am at Tom Campbell on Twitter. Together! We are at Cultaholic on Twitter. Don't forget to join us. <gasps> Big Boss Man's Chocolate Dogs. <laughs> Love you, bye. <laughs>Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. 
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. For all the wrestling headlines in just 10 minutes, search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Podcasts from. 